And good evening, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Welcome to another episode of Steelers Friday Night Six Pack. I am your host, as always, Tony Defio. And I thank you for joining me live on this cold and windy Friday night in Pittsburgh. And as I say every week, I hope it's uh, a little warmer wherever you are. But if you're in Pittsburgh like me or in or close enough by, uh, well, it's almost March. So we're almost through this winter and I'm looking forward to spring and I hope you are too. And before I get started, as always, I'd like to encourage you to please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, the Behind This YouTube channel, where we bring you live podcasts each and every day, including this show, The Steelers Hangover, every Monday with Brian Anthony Davis and Shannon White, the great Shannon White, who brings so much, so much calm and, 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 and insight to, to Monday's show. He's really grounded it. I'm pretty sure Brian wouldn't mind me saying that. So please check that out. Check out Steelers pregame, pregame Steelers pre, uh, pregame, Steelers preview, and Steelers postgame show. I think we still have that for you every week, even during the offseason. Uh, the Scobro Show with Dave Schofield and Rich, his big brother Rich. Uh, Touchdown Under with Matty Peverall and Mark Davison. And I'm sure Mark Davison's feeling pretty good with <laughs> the Bengals the other day in the Super Bowl. Uh, so please check that out. And check out the curtain call with Michael Beck and Jeffrey Benedict. And of course, you can catch all those live shows that are on YouTube. You can also catch those on Facebook Live. And as I say every week, if you're watching me on Facebook right now, be nice. I saw a lot of comments on Friday about the article I posted. There were a lot of uh, well, there were a lot of swear words and even a, uh, a very naughty and nasty emoji directed at me. So yeah, please be nice on Facebook. But if you can't catch me live on Facebook or YouTube or any other of the live show, the live shows live, you can catch them on any audio platform after the fact. I like iHeartRadio. I have it. I have it on my on my uh, Roku stick. But you can choose Spotify, Apple, you name it. Wherever you can find audio podcasts, you can find our stuff. And we also have audio only shows including the, the, from the cutting room floor with, with uh, Jeffrey Benedict, what you talking about the stat geek. Let's ride with Jeff Hartman, the live mic with Michael Beck. And I, I think that's all of them. So please check those out. And of course, check out behind the store curtain, the website, the editorial side, where we bring you news, commentary, film breakdown, any bit of Steelers news. We're going to have it for you. It's your one-stop shop for all your Steelers needs. It's the, it's the best Steelers site on the internet, and you won't be sorry. And of course, uh, let's say hello to the live chat, and I saw that Kathy Forehead was the first one in tonight. So hello, Kathy. You get the gold star. She's a legend. She's been around. She's always there to support all the shows. And she's joined by Steelers Pittsburgh, Mike Fewer from Facebook, Sherry Richards from, from Facebook, who, who says, hey, Tony, hey. Hey, Sherry. Steeler Chick 46, another legend, Donald Winston. Pedro, just me, just me, speaking of legends, just me is with us. Trucker Dad Wes, that's Wes Hitcock. Wes Hitcock. Wow, I, I recognized the, the picture. Otherwise, I would have thought it was somebody else. Clarence Washington, this is awesome. Great crew tonight, George Teston, great crew. So let's talk about... Well, let's talk about the Super Bowl first. I thought it was a great game. 
I was trying to watch it while I was bowling and while I was at a Super Bowl party. And as you know, if you're a diehard veteran football fan, <laughs> watching the Super Bowl at an actual Super Bowl party isn't always the uh, best way to watch a Super Bowl. Not because it's a ho horrible party, but because, you know, you're, you have friends and family and you're, and, and you're, I find myself often more interested in talking about other stuff and, and joking around and showing off than I am with watching the game. To me, the best time to watch the Super Bowl as far as like concentrating on it is when I'm home alone, but that's not as much fun. So I guess you uh, you have to sacrifice a little to, to be among friends, and I didn't mind. I had a great time on Sunday night. So, But I did watch the game and, and as much as I could, and, and I thought it was very entertaining. It looked like early on, it looked like the Rams were going were gonna to blow the Bengals out. It didn't look like Cincinnati's defense had any answer for Matt Stafford, Cooper Cup, OBJ, and, and and the Rams jumped out to what a thirteen to three lead, and the Bengals came back and 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 made a thirteen ten game on the uh, the halfback option pass from from Joe Mixon to T Higgins. And they got right back in it, but it looked like the Rams were going to go right back down and, and score another touchdown. But then OBJ got hurt; he suffered that unfortunate torn ACL, and I think that turned the game as far as how it would play out from an offensive standpoint from there on out, because really the defense took over from there. You know, the, uh, the Bengals uh, went into halftime down 13, 10. And just like that coming out in the, in the second half, they, they, they scored on a very controversial bomb from Joe Burrow to Higgins to make it 17, 13. And uh, Higgins clearly, interfered with Jalen Ramsey on the play, grabbed his face mask, and that's how he got separation. And then right after that, the Bengals intercepted uh, Stafford and and converted that, parlayed that into a field goal, and it was 20 to 13. And you wondered if the Bengals, if, if, if this would be their time, but the uh, Rams defense stepped up from that, from there on out. And really Cincinnati's offense had several, drives after that several series after that several possessions to take a commanding lead 10 14 points and they just didn't score again from there and the rams uh they closed within 20 to 16 and then at the end they took a uh 20 to 23 to 20 lead on a stafford to cup touchdown with what about a minute and 25 to go and you wondered if joe burrow was gonna put the entire bengal's team and the city of Cincinnati on his back, uh, the entire franchise on his back and lead the Bengals down for a uh, Super Bowl winning touchdown uh, that would make him the greatest player automatically. Well, not the greatest, at least the most important player in Cincinnati history, but it wasn't meant to be. Maybe when all is said and done, Aaron Donald will wind up being the most important player in Rams history because he certainly made the two most important plays on that Bengals drive back-to-back. -back. It was third and one. It looked like the Bengals were, were starting to roll pretty good, and they were going to at least get in the field goal range for, for McPherson. But third and one, uh, Perrine, the running back, I think his name Perrine was in the game, and it looked like he was going to get a first down. But Aaron Donald just grabbed him like a rag doll and <laughs> threw him to the ground. He showed uh, uh, the, how strong he was in, on that play. And then one play later, Donald got a hold of uh, Burrow and, and 
and obviously disrupted his pass and Burrow threw an errant pass and that was it. And the Rams were the Super Bowl champions, the first title for the Rams in the city of Los Angeles anyway. And, and, uh, it, it was, I, I thought, you know, people talk about defense being, being an afterthought in today's NFL, but I think Sunday's Super Bowl was a, a an example of how, how, uh, important defense still is. And, you know, if you can, if you can, Put, put your, uh, if you can win the battles in the trenches, which obviously the Rams have no trouble doing with Aaron Donald and company, Von Miller. And if, if you have good uh, secondary play, which, which they did with Ramsey and company, you can still uh, be successful on that side of the ball in today's NFL. And, you know, on those two plays, I mean, obviously TJ Watts, defensive player of the year, but I think on those two plays, Aaron Donald showed us all why, People constantly say that he could be named Defensive Player of the Year every year. I mean, the guy's just that dominant. I mean, he's a lot of people are talking about him being right up there with Lawrence Taylor as the greatest defensive player of all time. It's hard to argue that now after the kind of career he's had up to this point, and now he has a championship. And what he did to help the Rams win that championship. I mean, he willed that team to a title on those two plays, and that's. The, to me, the definition of, of willing a team to victory. So, you know, uh, if you want to know, and also if you want to know, want to know why the likes of Donald and, and TJ White get paid so much money is because they can make those kind of impact plays to win you games. You know, they don't have as much impact as, as a quarterback does, but in situational football, they can, and Aaron Donald did. And that's why the Rams are champions of the football world right now. So, Kudos to him. Kudos to the Rams. Kudos to the city of Los Angeles. You know, according to the the footage at the parade the other day, not a, not a, a ton of people showed up, but I kind of get that. You know, you know the Rams have sort of jerked uh, Los Angeles around over the years. I mean, they, they moved from Cleveland many years ago. Los Angeles fell in love with them as much as LA can fall in love with any sports team outside of the Dodgers and the Lakers, I guess. And, um, but in what, 1980, 1981, whatever year that was, I think it was 80, they moved to Anaheim. And then eventually in what, 1995, they moved to St. Louis where they stayed, um, for what, 21 years. In the meantime, the Raiders moved from Oakland to LA in what, 1982, I want to say. And uh, they won a championship there, and um, they moved away in in '95. Yeah, so I guess you can say all these football teams have been jerking the city of Los Angeles around. And when you have a city like that with with uh, so many diverse entertainment options, you know <laughs> it's hard it's hard enough to be the 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 the, uh, the headliner, let alone a, a football team that multiple football teams that keep moving in and out. So, but the great thing about the Rams winning the Super Bowl this year is, is they, they uh, did it early enough after moving back in 2016, they, they made it to a Super Bowl in 2018 and they won it in 2021. Uh, so, you know, that'll help with establishing a fan base, establishing some passion and uh, maybe getting people to, to, uh, 
adopt this team as their own again. From what they were saying on the radio this week from, from LA natives, the Raiders are still, they still consider the Raiders their team in Los Angeles, but you know, again, they did win a championship there. So that's, that, that helped to uh, maybe forge that relationship many years ago. Of course, the chargers are, are there and in, in LA and I don't have much confidence in the people of LA adopting the chargers because when was the last time they made it to a super bowl when was the last time they made it to an afc championship game so uh they're going to be second class citizens as far as the football team is concerned and they're really the uh, san diego's team anyway they, they never should have moved the uh something should have been done to keep the chargers in san diego and i get the feeling that within the next 10 years they're going to be back in san diego so but it was a great story uh, obviously donald got his got his ring pittsburgh native Matthew Stafford got a ring and, you know, that might've, and he made the key play at the end for the Rams on offense. Anyway, uh, uh, had the key drive and the key play, the key pass at the end. So uh, that'll go a long way in, in, in establish or, or forging his legacy. I mean, whether he makes it to hall of fame or not, who knows, but you know, he's going to, he can always say he won a championship and, and he can always say he turned his career around uh, thanks to a trade from the Lions to the Rams. So kudos to him. And uh, obviously uh, kudos to the, to the Bengals. I know they've been the uh, butt of jokes all week, especially in Steeler Nation, because they are the Bengals. They are AFC North foes, and they're now 0-3 in Super Bowls. And, uh, you know, I get why people are making fun of that. I mean, it's, 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 it's easy to do, you know, the, if you're the, if you're a Steeler fan, you don't want to, you don't want to see the Bengals win most Steeler fans anyway. And that was a big debate in the two weeks leading up to the game, but I'd say most Steeler fans probably didn't want the Bengals to win. You, you it's hard to root for a, uh, in most cases anyway, it's hard to root for a division rival in the Super Bowl. So I get, I get that. And, uh, you know, I wrote what I wrote on, on, on Friday and it drew a pretty passionate response, which is what, what I was going for, but there was really a, a more subtle point I was trying to make with that article. The one about, um, how mocking the Bengals for losing the Super Bowl is a bad look. And I think it is uh, ultimately, I think it is a bad look. I think it's sour grapes. I think it's a defense mechanism. Because, uh, you know, say what you want about the Bengals and losing the Super Bowl, but it's still a tremendous thing to get there. And they still had a, a fantastic year. And uh, they seem to be headed, heading in the right direction as far as their football program is concerned. Now they are the Bengals. And they could bungle it through ownership and coaching and who knows what else. Mike Mike Brown's the, their owner, and, you know, he's not necessarily um, – a beloved figure in Cincinnati and for probably a lot of good reasons. I mean, to the word cheap has been thrown around a lot to describe the Steelers over the years, but I think that aptly describes Mike Brown, you know, so even in a salary cap league, you can be cheap. And I think Mike Brown has demonstrated that over the years. So, you know, they could uh, blow this thing and, and not, take that final step to a, a Lombardi trophy. But, you know, 
the past doesn't really have anything to do with right now uh, unless they make it uh, unless they repeat history and, and make the same mistakes. But right now, Joe Burrow looks like the real deal. They have a great offensive or a great offense, I should say, a, a good defense and a lot of room under the salary cap. They just need to make some tweaks. And if they make the right moves, they could be the team to beat in the AFC uh, for the next four or five years. So, but the point I was trying to really trying to make is, you know, as fans, we should enjoy ourselves just a little bit more. We should enjoy the journey a little bit more. And that's kind of what I was trying to say in that article. You know, yeah, ha ha, the, the, the Bengals lost. But I think it was, we could also look in the mirror and, 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 and think about all, the, the couple of times that they, that they lost the Super Bowl. It's only been twice. And um, how we still talk about that, especially the one that happened in, in 1995, 1996, that, that's campaign. You know, poor Neil O'Donnell, you know, he's like, he's still pers- persona non grata here, public enemy number one or at least in the top 10 <laughs> as far as infamous sports figures. Uh, I mean, there's no relationship at all between him and the Steelers. I don't know if it's a mutual thing. I don't know if he just doesn't, you know, I've read some things about Neil over the years that, that would suggest he's maybe a, a little full of himself and maybe didn't quite always uh, uh, get along with reporters. So maybe, and maybe and teammates, so maybe it's a two-way street, or maybe it's a one-way street. Maybe it's O'Donnell who thinks, you know, forget Pittsburgh. I don't need, to, I don't need them anymore. I don't know, but uh, there's certainly no relationship at all between Neil O'Donnell and the Steelers, and and he's only one of three quarterbacks who who have ever taken them to a Super Bowl. And I think that's a, you know, it's a shame that that team's not celebrated more overall. I mean, there are a lot of great players that that played on that team: Levant Kirkland. Um, Obviously, Rob Woodson, Carnell Lake. I can go on and on and on. A lot of great pl- players that were on that team. And uh, Kevin Green, the late Kevin Green. And, you know, they should be celebrated a little bit more. And they're not because they're in the shadow of all these other past Super Bowl winners. And uh, I think they're also a victim of the quote-unquote standard that Steeler fans have. And one of Mike Tomlin's... Um, many isms the standards is the standard and that probably gets repeated more than any of the others and uh i mean really you know i think when you when you as it's okay for the organization to have that standard i think every organization has that standard most of them anyway i mentioned the bengals earlier i'm not sure what their standards are but but most organizations in professional sports their ultimate goal is to win a championship so you know, are, are the Steelers really that much different than anybody else, you know, uh, in that regard? So, you know, so it's okay for them to have that standard and, and to, you know, say it all the time. But, you know, is it really healthy? Is that the right word for fans to like, oh, if they don't win a Super Bowl, I don't care. I'm not going to be happy. I'm not going to celebrate. Uh, I'm not going to be satisfied because, I mean, it's it's sports is supposed to be fun, right? You know, it's a hobby, you know, and, and, and you look at some of these fans and you go back and, and, and just scroll through their their social media pages and you go back five, ten years like, holy cow, are they ever happy? Are they ever, they're totally they're definitely obsessed with the Steelers. But are they ever happy with them? You know, it, it's called a hobby, not a job. So, I mean, you know, I could see being 
miserable at your job all the time. I mean, it's hard to escape that kind of thing unless you're really doing what you truly love. But a hobby, I mean, shouldn't bring you that much pain, that much misery. So, you know, the whole, you know, the standard is a standard. When it comes to the Steelers, though, I mean, is I mean, are they really the, the only ones who can lay a claim to that? I mean, if you look at recent history, they've won two titles since the 70s. 43 years now, they've won two championships. So they, are they really the standard bearer for, for Super Bowls in the NFL anymore? I mean, obviously, it's right now it's the Patriots. Yeah, they've tied the Steelers, but they're really the standard bearer. They won six in the last, or they won six in, what, 17 years. So, I mean, they're the most, you know, recent dynasty. They're really the standard bearer. And you can even talk about other teams like the, like the 49ers. They've won five since you know this the early 80s you know uh heck um i i don't know if the steelers are or that franchise anymore where where those six super bowls really have anything to do with the now i mean uh they've been highly successful since the early 90s i'm not trying to take anything away from them but you know when when people are all, like people want to try to end every conversation by saying six super bowls that's it there's nothing else to say but really, it's 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 not that anymore for the Steelers. I don't think. I mean, it's 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 a proud thing to have the most Super Bowls. But I mean, if you look at the the history of their franchise, which is ninety years old now, they won six in ninety years. So you know, we're not talking about the Yankees here. Uh, even the Yankees, it's been a while since they've won. So my point is, like, we need to like start enjoying things a little bit more. Uh, that don't end in Super Bowls, you know, like the seven, like I wrote in the article, the 72 season was so magical. People still old time fans still talk about that year because it was so much fun. It was the first time the Steelers really gave the fans anything to truly uh, be to truly celebrate. And, and, you know, and, and they finally paid something off, you know, all those years, they never won a, a playoff game, 40 years, you know, they finally won a playoff game and they did it in the most improbable and magical way ever that we, that we still celebrate. There's a statue at the airport. Franco's uh, Franco Harris can, can, he doesn't have to buy a drink for the rest of his life. You know, Frenchie Fuqua, you know, made a, a life outside of football <laughs> as a, as a public speaker because of that play. I mean, we talk about it. So it was the first time for the Steelers and their fans to, to really have something like that to embrace you know, and, 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 you know, they put that, you know, that season is talked about almost as much as those Super Bowl years, maybe even more because of the immaculate reception, you know? So, uh, you know, are, are, were we soft back then? You know, people, that's a word I keep hearing thrown around describing the Bengals and, and their, and, and the reaction of their fans this week when they greeted them at the airport after the loss to the, to the Rams, they had a rally on Wednesday uh, at some park in, in, in Cincinnati, Washington Park, I think. And people said, oh, that's a bad look. It would never happen in Pittsburgh. They would never have a, a parade or a rally for a loss. Well, maybe they should. Maybe um, more things should be celebrated. And I realize, you know, a championship has more weight than anything else. But I think other things should be appreciated too. I mean, I've, I, you know, I feel sorry for a lot of these, like, like the mid-90s teams. They, they had, you know, great teams. And obviously they, they got to the Super Bowl, 
But it's like, all right, you didn't win it, so yeah, whatever. Uh, you were you were you were nice players, but you didn't win it, so you know, uh, have a nice life. You know, outside of outside of Woodson, who's you know a first ballot Hall of Famer, maybe you know the greatest cornerback of all time. Outside of him, uh, who else from those '90s teams really has a great um, relationship with the, with the Steelers, uh, the Steeler team? And, and I mean, I mean, not not the team. I mean, they they. But the fans, like, do we really talk about any of those players and and, and celebrate them and celebrate their, you know, the, the, the moments that they they brought here? Because they were some fantastic times in the 90s. And I, I can't say that we really do all that much, you know? I mean, every now and then, but not, you know, not like, the, you know, the, they would, have, like, say say the, the 90s happened in the 60s before the 70s. I think, um, you know, or maybe in the fifties and then there was like a 20 year gap before the seventies. I think those, if the, if, you know, if they did that in, in the, in the fifties, but they did in the nineties, they came close, but they, but they didn't, you know, quite win it. I think we would have celebrated those teams a little bit more. So, you know, it, it's, 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 it's a great thing to make it to a Super Bowl. It's a hard thing to do to make it to a Super Bowl. And yeah, you can mock them because they're the Bengals, but the, to act like that, all right, there's 31 losers and only one winner. That's not true. There's varying degrees of of success. And the Bengals were literally a play or two away from reaching the ultimate uh, heights of the NFL. So to mock them for that, I think that's a bad look. To mock them for embracing that and celebrating it and and, and, and cherishing it, that's that's again that's a bad look and it, it makes it makes you look petty in my opinion it makes you look petty so that's all i want to say about that um i hope the steelers give us that kind of a season that the Bengals gave their fans in the not so distant future because remember you know they won three playoff games in the last month and as we keep saying over and over again the Steelers have won three in the last 11 years. So, you know, uh, they're definitely creating <laughs> a, uh, a situation where we're going to appreciate the next time they go on a major run because, you know, the last 10, 11 years, you know, they obviously they ha- had some good teams here, but they haven't had that postseason run that, you know, that makes you want to, you know, it galvanizes a fan base and a community. So, Hopefully they can have that kind of a, a season again. And, and when they do, I'm, th- I'm, I'm thinking we're going to appreciate it because it'll, it'll have been a while since the last one. So that's all I want to say about that stuff. And as the title suggests, the, the off season is now in full swing for the Steelers. And uh, what was it? earlier in the week, they, they hired Pat Meyer to be their new offensive line coach. He's somewhat of a veteran. You know, he's been in, you know, he's been coaching and what for 20 years, if you, if you count the collegiate level, he's 49 years old. So he's somewhat young yet. He doesn't have a ton. I, I wouldn't say a ton of NFL experience, maybe a decade, which isn't bad. Um, he didn't do so. I mean, the, the line didn't too hot, didn't do so hot when he was with the, the Panthers the last couple of years, but he did a pretty good job with the chargers before that. It was it 2017 or 2018? Philip Rivers was only sacked 17 times, so that's pretty good. 
but you know, like a lot of, like a lot of position coaches, you know, I mean, I'm sure the issues on display in, uh, in Carolina had to do with, with personnel more so than coaching and coaching obviously is a big deal, but personnel matters too, you know, and I, I realized everybody wanted Mike Munchak to be the offensive line coach again, but you know, number one, we don't know what Mike Munchak's priorities are right now. Does he want to coach in Pittsburgh again? Does he want to coach anywhere again? You know, remember it's a two way street. It's not just about what the Steelers want. It's about what the other party wants. And maybe Mike Munchak doesn't want to come back here. Maybe he doesn't want to coach anymore. Who knows? You know, and also, I mean, there are, there's only one Mike Munchak and, and there are 32 teams, meaning 31 other teams don't, don't employ, don't get to employ Mike Munchak. And yet, just like, but you know, I talked about earlier, there are varying degrees of success with offensive line play all throughout the NFL. So, you know, you can find a, a, a really good offensive line coach who's not named Mike Munchak. Did the Steelers find that with Pat Meyer? I don't know. But, you know, the guy that replaced Munchak in Denver, somebody somebody named Burt Barry. I never heard of that guy before in my life. I don't know how good or bad he is as a coach. You know, and as I've said often said um, when it comes to this kind of stuff, especially with position coaches, I mean, you know, back in the day, and I realize it's a different time now, so it's, it's probably silly, silly and old man yelling at the clouds for me to say this, but back in the day, you know, they would name an, you know, a position coach and, it's like, all right, cool. And then you wouldn't really think much about it anymore. I mean, obviously the head coach gets headlines when you, when you name a new head coach and the coordinators to an extent got, you know, uh, publicity, you know, guys like Tony Dungy and Joe Walton, you know, and for different reasons, <laughs> one, because Tony Dungy was so young and Joe Walton, because it was a disaster, <laughs> you know, but um, you, you, Th those guys got got talked about, but the position coach is not so much, not so much, you know, so it's a different time now and, and everybody lives and dies with every little move that's made. But really uh, what's going to help the Steelers offensive line is going to be what they do with personnel. Yeah. Coaching's going to be a big deal. And Meyer's going to, you know, it's going to be incumbent upon him to, to coach these guys up. But remember when Munchak was here, he also came along when, when Marquise Pouncey was a, a pro bowler, David DeCastro was coming into his own as, as one of the best guards in the NFL. Um, and then Marcus Gilbert, who he, he coached up into to being one of the best right tackles in, in his, to his credit. And Ramon Foster was a mainstay at guard. And he did, he did um, really coach up a lot of uh, project type players like Alvo and Matt Filer, Chris Hubbard, so, you know, B.J. Finney, you know, the first time around. So, you know, he should be commended for his work here. But he also had a lot to work with. So it's, it's, it's up to the Steelers to provide Meyer with more talent uh, to work with. And, and I think, you know, if they do, then we can more fairly judge him. You know, if you're expecting, if you're expecting uh, him to work miracles, like they were trying to do in the, in the late 00s with a bunch of, you know, undra undrafted free agents and low round draft picks. 
uh, it didn't matter who the coach was back then. They weren't going to, he wasn't going to be able to get anything out of them. And the line really didn't start to, to turn around until they decided to invest in it with personnel. So, uh, you know, I think we'll be able to more accurately assess the Meyer hiring in maybe a year or two and not really right now. So that's all I pretty much had to say about anything tonight. Um, I will round out the show by taking your questions and comments. Let's see what we got. Pedro asked, so how is DeCastro? Do you think he'll ever play again? I haven't heard anything. I know he had a, he was dealing with a, a pretty bad ankle last year. I don't know if he ever had surgery on that or not. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to play again. I haven't, I haven't, uh, I, I just looked at the uh, a list of the top free agents heading into the offseason. I didn't see his, his name listed anywhere. So I don't know if he's, if he's done or not. I mean, there's no, has been no official announcement about his future. So I guess we'll have to keep an eye on that. And Steelers Pittsburgh says about the Bengals. Of course, he says Bungles, which, you know, it's a, a Steeler fan main, mainstay. Thanks to Minor Cope. And he says the Bungles are going to find out how difficult it is to get back to the Super Bowl. They have a target on their backs. Well, it's it's difficult to get there if you don't have a target on your back, let alone uh, if you do. Uh, and that brings me to another point. You know, so many quarterbacks who have made it, who have lost their, their in their first appearance in the Super Bowl, I guess every single one of them never made it back. So Joe Burrow, I mean, really it's, it's in the past, but it has nothing to do with now, but he has that history to overcome, I guess. So we'll see if he can do it. I mean, I mean, he looks like the real deal and, and they have a good thing going. So I'm going to be uh, inter- interested to see how that all plays out. And Sherry Richards says, until three years from now, meaning the Bengals, when they are three and fourteen away, they built a team they can't. Well, they built a team with a lot of young, a lot of youth. So I don't know how that's. I mean, the Rams are the team that, unless you're talking about the Rams, maybe you're talking about the Rams, because the Rams are uh, a team that's definitely this close to. They're they're built to win now and then you know blow the whole thing up whenever all of a sudden that's so maybe you're talking about them. I don't know. All right. Let's see what else we have here. Trucker Wes, Wes Hickok says, I'm growing tired of the mock draft that have us going quarterback in the first round, or in, I guess the first round of the draft. So I guess you're not a fan of the, of the uh, quarterbacks there, Wes. But I mean, the way things are shaking out now with so many teams, I mean, obviously there's free agents that they're you know, veteran free agents that, that are going to get signed and trades are going to be made. So it's going to fill a lot of slots for teams that are drafting ahead of Pittsburgh. But I truly think by the time all is said and done, Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett are going to be gone. So the question will be, will they draft somebody like a Sam Howe or, or Matt Corral or whatever? Uh, Ritter, he's getting a lot of love now. Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati. I don't know. But, I mean, you know, the funny thing is that they've been talking about quarterbacks so much. Like It's like the thought of a any other position sounds kind of, eh, I don't know, kind of meh. 
I don't know if I, I, you know, I'm so, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like fast food. You know, once you start eating fast food, you start craving it and nothing else. You don't want anything else. I don't want a defensive lineman. I don't want a cornerback. I don't want an inside. I want a quarterback, you know, but whether that's, whether that's against my own judgment or not, or I don't know, but so I, I, I'm taking West is not a fan of the current crop of quarterbacks coming out. And a lot of people feel your, feel that frustration. They, 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 they agree with you there, Wes. Me, I don't know. I, I'm willing to, if it's, if they believe in a guy, I'm, I, I'm willing to trust them and see if, if they can develop him into being something uh, close to a franchise quarterback, if not a franchise quarterback, because like we always say, it's not always where you're drafted. It's who drafts you. And, you know, you see the struggles that Baker Mayfield is going through in Cleveland. Although I think a lot of it could be injury, injury related last year. People forget he was dealing with an injury, but he was drafted number one. Lamar Jackson was drafted uh, last in the first round of the same draft. And, you know, he's, he's the Ravens uh, fr uh, franchise. He's their team. They built a team around him. John Harbaugh, say what you want about him. We always do, but he's a great head coach. It's a great organization. And they did everything they could to develop him and to build the team around him. So, you know, if Pittsburgh gets a quarterback in here, a young quarterback, uh, I'm confident they're going to do everything that they can to build the team around, to, to develop him through coaching and through personnel and build a team around him. So, but it's, it's still a ways away. Who knows what's going to happen. Robert Mullen says the road to the Super Bowl goes through Pittsburgh. So if the Bengals win, if the Bengals beat Pitt, they deserve the Super Bowl. There you go. Well, I'm not so sure <laughs> it applied this year, Robert, but Hey, it's been, it's, 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 uh, it, it, like I said, defense mechanism. Whatever, uh, whatever makes you feel better, I guess. But they did beat up the Steelers twice this year. <laughs> they, they definitely beat them up pretty badly the last time too. So, and Tomlin's this is Mark Malone again. I always say every week it would be something if it was the real Mark Malone, or I shouldn't say the real Mark Malone, but the this the. the Mark Malone, who was the former quarterback of the Steelers in the 1980s. And he says, Tomlin's postseason standard is pretty freaking substandard. Well, that's, that's been an issue uh, with fans uh, in recent years, which again, makes it makes me laugh when people mock a team that just lost the Super Bowl. I mean, you know, that's a pretty awesome year to have making it, making it to the Super Bowl. So. Evgeny Crosby says, Steelers have the opportunity this offseason to make big moves. How many offseason moves can you – how many offseasons can you say that? Yeah, they have uh, currently about $32 million under the cap. I was uh, scrolling through Twitter on Friday, and, and Mark Caboli, who's a, a beat writer for the Steelers uh, for the Athletic, he uh, laid it out you know, through restructuring and you know, cutting to it trading somebody or whatever uh they could have as much as 71 million in cap space this year so you know they're definitely pretty adept at, at making room when they don't have room so you know obviously they're going to be able to make more room uh even with uh, 32 million as it is so 
yeah, I mean, this, this is the one off season in that I can think of since I started really paying attention to this kind of off season, you know, like you have to pay attention when you're doing, when you, when you're, when your semi hobby is a writer and, and podcaster for behind the steel curtain, you have to pay attention to the off season all the time. And since I've been doing this, I can't remember them having this much cap room. So they're going to have a lot of, a lot of chances to address a lot of needs, you know? So, you know, next month when free agency kicks in, you know how they always say, people say, you know, the draft is, you know, the morning of the draft is like their Christmas morning. Well, a lot of people who are into free agency and that time of year, it's going to be like, they're not going to be able to sleep the night before because the Steelers are going to have a lot of, uh, a lot of money to do some damage this year and hopefully not real damage, but positive damage if they, if they so choose it. But I, I look for them to be as pragmatic as always, but maybe with a, a, a more aggressive approach in certain areas, you know, signing, I was looking at, you know, the, the tackles that are available, the cornerbacks that are available. Uh, so, I mean, that's definitely, you know, I would try to keep a killer Witherspoon, maybe Joe Hayden at a reasonable price. Cause I don't think there's that, that much difference between him and Stefan Gilmore. Uh, so if they can, if they can get Joe Hayden back in terms at a reasonable price, I, I would definitely like to have him back. And I think Witherspoon, if you get him at a decent price, but you can also bring somebody else in from the outside. And there's plenty of cornerbacks out there. There's plenty of tackles and guards out there. So there's definitely, um, and I'm just in the beginning stages of paying attention to this because I am so in love with the NFL actual season that I don't really pay attention to free agency until I have to. And I was looking at the, the, the PFF and there's some names under that are pretty intriguing. But if it were me, I would try to sign a, 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 a good guard or a tackle. I like Dan Moore as your left tackle. A lot of people want him to go over to right tackle, which I don't know why, because he only played left tackle in college. As far as, you know, we all know, I, I, I mean, you know, I think we all know that. And, you know, it seems to be left tackle seems to be his natural position. So if you can keep him there and go out and get a, a really good right tackle, I think that's, that would go a long way in, in, in helping to improve your line. Uh, obviously Kevin Dotson is, is, you know, the sky's the limit for him at left guard. So, yeah, so there's some, there's some possibilities. And of course, as far as free agents and of course the quarterbacks, you know, Jameis Winston's a name that's been bandied about this week. And I, to be honest with you, I like him better than anybody else I've heard as far as like, if you're talking about Marcus Mariota, uh, Jimmy G, um, uh, Trubisky, give me Jameis Winston. He's young enough. He's got one heck of an arm. And he's big. He's he's not mobile. I mean, he's mobile enough, but he's not like t- looking to take off and run every time. He's he's a he's a guy who likes to take shots down the field. Wouldn't that be pretty darn refreshing? Somebody who who can do that after the last few years. Uh, so I, I hey, if they can get Jameis Winston at, I think I saw the the price for him. The projected price for a one year deal would be like seven million, maybe as much as twelve with incentives. If you can swing that deal, if, if you're not going to draft the quarterback, or even if you are going to draft the quarterback next year, but you need somebody to be your your quote-unquote bridge quarterback for a year or so, hey, I would take Jameis, Jameis Winston. Yeah, he throws interceptions, but he also throws a lot of touchdowns, and he throws for a lot of yards, and he's a, he's a weapon. And let's be real. I love Big Ben. 
but he really hasn't been a weapon for them since 2018. And they haven't, haven't had a weapon at the quarterback spot since 2018. So yeah, Jameis Winston would be my top choice if I had to go veteran quarterback. I forgot about Jameis. Somebody reminded me of him a couple weeks ago. And uh, before that, it was all Jimmy G in my mind. And, and who else was I thinking about? Um, yeah, you know, obviously Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, they, they were the names out there. But to me, Jameis Winston would be great. He's not going to cost a lot. And he's still young. And he's still talented. And he he's had recent success in the NFL. So he's certainly more proven than Trubisky and, and Mariota. So, yeah, if, they can, if that's the route they take, I would be on board. There's a lot of possibilities for them as far as uh, free agents and, and they can, they can address a lot of needs uh, this time around. So obviously they have their own players. They have to have to resign. That's going to eat up some cap space. But in addition to that, they're going to be able to go out and, and make a key move or two. If they, if they so want, if they, if they so wish, and I can't see why they wouldn't, they're all, they're always about being competitive and that's their that's their motto. They don't want to tank it. So, you know, I I have no doubt they're going to go out and make some moves. In addition to their own players, they're going to bring some some guys in to help them uh, win in twenty twenty two. So, and this is Wes Hickok, and Wes knows the stuff with the draft. I mean, a lot of people. Uh, who've been affiliate, affiliated with Behind the Still Curtain know their their draft talk, and, and Wes is one of them. And he says, cornerback Roger McCreary, inside linebacker Nicobe Dean, tackle Trevor Penning, in no particular order, are his top three for the 20th pick. Well, I trust your judgment, Wes. We'll see what happens. we got a ways to go yet. Free agency will, will, will inform what they do in the draft for sure. But, but, uh, yeah, who knows what's gonna? You know, we have the combine in in in, a, in a, what about a week and a half or so. So that'll uh, that'll uh, help uh, solidify things a little bit anyway, as far as where these guys are 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 ranked and where they're projected to go. And this is one from Yule Skinner, and he's right on, on the money here. He says, some of the best, better players in the NFL never make the Hall of Fame or the Super Bowl, in my opinion. And that's true. That's, that's, I mean, speaking of mocking people, I always get a kick out of, out of people who mock borderline Hall of Famers. Are you kidding me? Why would you mock those guys? I mean, that's a, uh, and I'm not just talking about Steelers fans. I'm talking about fans of, who hate the Steelers, like, you know, people mocking Heinz Ward for not making the Hall of Fame. Okay, but he's in the discussion. That's one. That's a mark of one hell of a career. If you if you get to the point, if you had a career where people are arguing about whether or not you should be in the Hall of Fame, then you know, I salute you because you know very few players ever make it to that level. So, and I think I'm getting up against it in time. It's been, it's been a fun show. I, I uh, enjoy talking to you guys as always, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna call it a night. And I hope you guys have a great weekend. There will be no football this weekend, but there will be plenty of football talk, as there always is. And please tune in to Behind the Store Curtain, the website. Uh, check out the podcast. They, 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 they keep bringing them to you each and every day. 
sometimes multiple times a day. So if you need a Steeler fix, even in this relatively downtime until, you know, the combine kicks off, uh, we're the place to, to, to get that fixed. So until I talk to you on Monday with uh, Brian and Shannon, have a great weekend. And as always, go Steelers.